Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're still right in the middle of it. It goes from chapter 5 to chapter 7 through the end of chapter 7, and we are right in the middle of chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the way Jesus was speaking here is a way that Jews spoke where heaven was used in place of God. So he's talking about store up for yourselves treasures with God. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, whether it's on earth or it's in heaven with God, there your heart will be also. I'm going to make three points this morning, and what I'm going to do is the points are going to repeat over and over again because the, these same themes keep coming up in the, in the text. So you'll hear these, these, uh, some of these points repeatedly, but I have three. And the first one is that God cares about your heart. We've seen this in the Sermon on the Mount, that, it's, that, that, he, that Jesus keeps pushing us back to, to examine our hearts and to think about our hearts, and that to respond to Jesus' teaching or the apostles' teaching with just an external sort of, oh, this is what we do, we're supposed to do this and do this and not do this, misses the point that Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount is driving at, and it's that God cares about the heart. He's not simply saying something you should stop doing and something you should do, and, he, and, and there at the end, at the, in verse 21, he mentions the heart. He even brings that out and says, um, there your heart will be also. God cares about your heart. And that's what we need to think about this morning is not come up with a list of rules of, of how do we handle money this way, that way, or the other, the other way, but instead, what does Jesus care about our hearts and what are our hearts supposed to be, where are our hearts supposed to be? And the contrast Jesus is making here is he's saying all the money... And the stuff that you can buy with that money, the, the money that you acquire and the stuff that you acquire um, with that money that you possess in this world, it's all going to be lost. It's, uh, he mentions uh, three ways it can be lost. Um, when he mentions moth, rust, and thieves, stealing. But, of course, that's just bringing out the point that, it's all, that, it's, that it, this stuff can't last, that it's not, going to, it's not something that you can take into heaven. It's not something you can take into the kingdom of God, something you can take into eternal life. All money and stuff will be lost. And he's basically just saying, guys, to, sp to put your heart on money, to, to fill up your heart with money and all the actions that will come out of that now that your heart is filled up with money and, 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 and acquiring money, laying up treasure for yourself, laying up for yourself uh, money and possessions, to put your heart on that and to make that your heart concern is stupid. It's folly. It's a foolish way to live. It's a, it's a dumb way to live because this stuff isn't going to last. You need to invest yourself in something that is eternal. He said, put your treasures in heaven. Uh, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, lay up for yourselves treasures with God. Uh, think about, what, about God and that future life um, when Christ is coming back and think about the kingdom of God and that future that's that going to be, and think about that because God gives blessing that will not be lost. 
So where your, where your heart should be on is the blessing, the eternal blessings that God gives, that that's what you want. Those are the things that you seek. Remember, he, t- he used the word rewards earlier in the sermon. Um, and it's not about meriting. It's, this is still all salvation by grace. There's nothing we've ever merited. We, everything comes to us by grace. Everything we have, even the bread that we have, comes to us by grace. It's all uh, gracious. And of course, salvation and all the work of God, all the blessings of God are by grace. But he's still saying that's what your heart should be on, that God gives blessings that will not be lost. And that's what you should want. What is in your heart? Is your heart dominated by thoughts and desires for and plans for the acquisition of money, possessions, success, driving forward in life and acquiring more and getting more set aside for yourself? Or is your heart heart driven by the desire to serve God? to do what what pleases God, what God would have you to do. Is that where your heart is? Which of these two things controls your life? Which of these two things dominates the thoughts thoughts and desires of of what's inside of you? Which one is it? Is it about money and possessions and acquisition and all of that and and increasing all of that? that? Is that where your heart's set on or is it set on, no, what I wake up in the morning and what my heart is set on is upon serving God. How can I serve God today? How can I do what? Now, it's not that you don't have a job. It's not that you don't make a paycheck and all that, but it's what, where is your, and that's why, that's why we're not talking about just it's, it's you do this and don't do this. It's about what is within you. What is, what is driving your life? Is your life driven by what I care about is the coming kingdom of God. Remember what the Lord's prayer told us to care about? Pray for the coming kingdom of God. That's what my heart is set on. And what I care about today is serving God and doing what God would have me to do in the present. Um, money. So what is in your heart? Money and, stu- and stuff or serving God. Look at, look, read on with me, verse 22. This, now, this particular passage may be confusing to you. Let me give you one, one um, thought before you begin to read it. Um, it connects with everything we're reading. It's not, sometimes people say, what is this? This is a totally different topic. No, it's the same topic. And this is, this is the secret that's missed often because it's, it's not part of our culture. In their culture, in the ancient times, to say that someone had an evil eye, it was a common expression, someone has an evil eye. What it means to say someone has an evil eye is to mean that they are greedy. Um, We may have different connotations with what evil eye means or we think it a different way, but evil eye in the ancient context, evil eye meant to be greedy and the term used for the good eye in this particular metaphor Jesus uses was a term often used for generosity. So the, the contrast being drawn here is a contrast between generosity and now, now most of our translations will just, you may have a translation that actually says greedy and generous, but most translations try to keep it more generic and just say good and bad. Um, but it misses, the, it misses the, the, what these words meant to the people at that time. An evil eye meant, um, and it was, it's in other places in the scripture as well, the evil eye meant the greedy eye. Uh, so, it's a, so it's an attitude. When he talks about that, this eye, you have this eye or do you have this eye? He's talking about, do you, he's not just talking about eyes. He's talking about your heart again. Do you have a heart that what drives what you do is, is greed for yourself, acquiring, getting more? Or do you have a heart that's set on generosity, a heart that's set on serving God? And one of the ways that you serve God is this giving. As you've been shown grace and been given to, you, sh- you give to others and you're generous with others and you're kind 
to others and caring for others. So that's the contrast. Now let me read. You can, now you know that that's what's being contrasted. You can hear Jesus' words better. The eye is the lamp of the body. That's how light comes into the body from outside. If your eyes are good or if your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, if they are evil, if they are greedy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, if what's your eye, because you have a greedy eye, if what it's bringing into you is greed and an attitude towards the world with greed, then instead of the eye, the light that the eye, your eye, a greedy eye is bringing into you is actually bringing darkness into your life. So if your whole body is full of light or your whole body is full of darkness, it means your actions, your whole life, depending on what the, where the heart is, whether it is um, whether the heart is in greed or the heart is in generosity, which of the two it is, the heart is going to, uh, the, whole, the whole rest of the life, your body, what your body does, your actions, your life, is going to be a life of darkness or a life of light and, and, and living the right way, living the way that God wants us to live. So what he keeps in this passage, he keeps drawing contrast, this side and this side. These are the two choices you make. And once again, it's the idea of the heart. Um, and once again, so I tell you my first point, repeat my first point, God cares about your heart. That question that Jesus is asking is, where is your heart? Where is your heart? He's not asking a question about your physical eyes, but he's asking a, a question about the way you look at the world from your heart, the way you approach the world. Do you approach the world with, it's, I'm trying to get for me, I'm trying to earn more money and get more stuff for me and put myself ahead, or is it, um, from a, a, an attitude of service to God, which results in generosity, and, 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 and you're looking for people to, to love, people to care for, people to, to help. Uh, which one is it? Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. And the idea was, if you were a slave, you can't have two different masters. You can't have this master, you can't... A master has complete, had complete, and their culture had complete control over your life. You can't, you can't have two of them. There's no way you can walk the line between the both of them and try to report to them. Now you can have two jobs, um, but you can't have two. You can't have two masters. You can't be a slave with two different masters. You're either fully in serving this one, or you're sold to another one, and you're fully in serving this one. It's one or the other. And and this may be uncomfortable for us. And I think it's one of the things that the Ameri that from our American culture, it's something that we don't, um, uh, we live quite comfortably maybe sometimes thinking that we're doing the right thing when we are serving money, trying to be a slave to money and a slave to God at the same time. But on Jesus' authority, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You can't have two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. One of the, one, if you, if you, have, if you try to have both, one of them is going to draw your heart from the other one. You can only have one or the other. It must be this one draws your, draws your heart away from that one, or that one draws your heart away from that one. And if you try to follow God, if you try to serve God with your life, it's going to draw your heart away from earthly, you know, acquiring for yourself and money and possessions and just thinking about this life and, and getting ahead in that sense and building up treasures on earth. But if you, if you, do, put your, if you do put your heart on and try to serve, uh, serve money, serve treasures, um, then, you, um, then you will be drawn away from God. Now, this may be something that not all of us have recognized yet in our life. The way our, our pursuing 
um, the things of this life, pursuing advancement in this life, pursuing money for ourselves, possession for ourselves, is actually pulling our heart away, away from God. Um, Jesus says that it will if you make that what your heart is. He doesn't mean have a job. He doesn't mean have an income. He's talking about where your heart is and what is important to you and what is the centerpiece of your life and what your heart is set upon, what you think about, what you want, what you desire, what is your heartbeat, where you're always thinking. Um, Which one is it? Um, And so how does he close out? He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. God cares about your heart. I'm saying that my first point again. God cares about your heart. And, he's ask, and Jesus is asking us here, which do you love, money or God? You can't love them both. You can't pursue them. You can't be devoted to money and devoted to God. You, you must choose between them. Um, now, it's interesting, chapter 6, to, to my thinking, and as I think about the rest of the Gospels and what they teach in other places, chapter 6 to me looks like a big bashing on the Pharisees um, and as contrast to the disciples. For, here's why. The first half of chapter 6 is about people who love honor. And we're actually told in the Gospels, the Pharisees love honor. They love to be honored. That's, the, that's not what we're talking about today. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. That's the first half of chapter 6, up to where, let it, up to where we left off. The second half of chapter 6 is about loving money. And so it's these two different idols, and it actually says in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, um, I'll read it for you, actually. I I wrote it down uh, so I could read it to you. Luke 16, 14, the Pharisees, oh, and you should know, this is the comment that Luke makes right after Jesus gives this same teaching that we're reading in Matthew. When he gives that teaching in the Gospel of Luke, this is what it says next, and this always blows me away whenever I read this. The Pharisees who loved money. Just says it baldly, the Pharisees who loved money. The Pharisees, these were the great religious leaders of the nation, and they loved money. (laughs) And this is one of Jesus' big problems with them. One of his first big problems with them in the first half of chapter 6 is they loved honor. They loved to be thought well of. They loved to be uh, revered. They loved to be lifted up and praised by people. The second thing that they really loved is money. The Pharisees, listen to how the, the, the Pharisees respond to Jesus. Because they loved money, when Jesus lays down his teaching on money, this is how the Pharisees responded. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this teaching of Jesus, and they were sneering at him, sneering at him. They, had, they were like, this is, this is garbage. This is trash. We know what's important, and money is important, and we live, we, we live for money, and, and we seek money, and that's a good way to live, and this is stupid. This is not, Bible, this is not good teaching. Jesus, but Jesus had just taught what we're seeing here about how you should live. You can't serve God and money. Which do you live? Uh, which do you love in your heart? God cares about your heart. Another verse on this uh, that you've probably heard before, you may have heard it misquoted, so make sure you hear exactly what it says. It doesn't say... Uh, you, may have heard, you may have heard it said this way, money's the root of all evil, right? That's not what the verse actually says. This is what it says. It says, the lo- 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul, the Apostle Paul writing, for the love of money, the love of money, when your heart is in love with money, when your heart is dominated and desiring money and seeking money, and that's what you are set on, that's where your heart is, um, and and, and not, it's not just money, it's all that comes with money, the possessions that come with money. When your heart is set on these things, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not every sin, 
comes out of the love of money. Not every evil in the world comes out, but there's all sorts of sins that come. If you love money, the result of that will be all different kinds of evil will come out of that in your life. And that's why Jesus sees that the Pharisees love honor, and he says, no, reject honor. He says that they love money, and he says, no, reject the love of money. Um, reject the love of honor. You know, it's not that you reject honor. Sometimes people revere you and respect you for good reasons, and it wasn't something that you were, that wasn't something you were all about and seeking. But he says, reject the love of honor and reject the love of money. Chapter six, first half, second half. Another thing that you could call these two things, another biblical word you could call these two things, idols, right? Instead of worshiping God and serving God, the Pharisees worshiped honor, and they worshiped and served money. That's what their life was about, honor and money. These are two important, really important things to them. That's where their hearts were set. This half, we're talking about money. So let me say this. Um, I'm not giving you today some kind of prescriptions about you need to change this action in your life, this detail in your life, stop doing this, start doing this, don't do this, but do this, change this. It's much deeper than that. We're talking about the heart needs to change. The, your heart itself needs to change in your attitude towards money and possessions. For some of us, some of us may already be there, but for some of us who are struggling with this, um, a heart and our, our heart needs to change. But I want to I want to tell you something really, really. Um, I I hope this will be um, uh, a blessing to you. God is the my second point this morning is God will change your heart. God will change your heart. You don't, come to, you don't come to a text like this and say, oh, I gotta change my heart. How can I tinker with my heart? How can I get in there and cut out the, the love of money and cut out the love of possessions and cut out, later we're gonna see, cut out my anxiety and cut out my, my other things that I have. How can I get all that stuff out of my heart? How can I open myself up and operate on myself and clean myself out and fix it? You can't do it. You can't do it. And so the, the response to a text like this is for us to say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. My heart is messed up. My heart has wrong attitudes in it. There are wrong motivations and wrong. If you see this, some of you may be getting really nervous because you see, you think, oh, I think that might be the love of money, but you're trying to suppress it and say, no, it, it can't be. That can't be the love of money. That can't be in me because I couldn't be that bad. Yes, of course you could be that bad. You have the love of honor in there too, probably. You have the love of other wicked things as well too. That's what's in your heart, but that's, but that's, a, but that's a work that, that God can work on. That's something that he can do. So you're coming to him, and like, like we're saying, Lord, uh, give me my bread, provide for my, my physical needs, we're also saying to him, Lord, provide for my heart. My heart is not right. I need grace. I am a sinner. I don't deserve this. The sin shows that I don't deserve you to work in me, but Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus purchased me. I belong to him. Jesus cares about me, and he cares about my heart, and he wants to do a work in my heart. And say to the Lord, Lord, Work on this stuff in my heart. There is, there is this attitude in my heart. There's this motivation. There's this wrong desire. There's this wrong thing. There's this wrong emotion, perhaps. Um, Lord, work on that. And this could apply to many other areas of life as well. Perhaps some of you right now, um, the money thing isn't, isn't uh, something that is connecting with you uh, because maybe you, you processed this and really uh, prayed about this and wrestled through it years ago. But there may be something else, and the same message for you. you. You can't change your heart, so you've got to look to the Lord. Only he can he, he heal you. Only he can deal with your heart. 
Talk to him, pray to him, ask him, Lord. Remember how the Lord's Prayer was so simple and so short? Does it take babbling on, babbling on, babbling on? You say, Lord, please, I say, in the name of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and I, I, you know, and go on and on. No, no, simple prayer, Lord. I've got greed in here. Change my heart. I see greed. Take away my greed, Lord. Deal with my greed. And continue to pray that. As long as it's there, continue to pray it. Continue to ask the Lord. And that's a work that he does. Do you believe in the gospel? Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe in the internal work of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in sanctification? This is something God does. And how do we get it? We ask. We ask when we see in his word what he requires of us, then we ask it of him. He blesses us and helps us. Um, with uh, what we need. So God will change your heart. My first point was God cares about your heart, and my second point was God will change your heart. Um, Ask. Okay, let's read on. Um, You may see the heading there and think, oh, it's changing themes, but you'll see that it is slightly changing themes, but it's connected. What we're now getting into about anxiety and worry is connected to the stuff about money and about possessions. Um, and I'm, I know this is a familiar, a familiar text to many of you, so uh, listen to this. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus speaking, verse 25, therefore, I tell you. He says, therefore, notice, so he's connecting it with, with what he was just talking about with money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He's not, he, he's not saying there, quit your job, stop working. He's saying, what's in your heart? What's going on inside your heart? Let's, let's, let's fix the heart. Let's fix what's inside your heart. Don't worry. Um, is not life more important than food? You have more important things to think about than just feeding yourself. And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, by this, this, this feeling in your heart of worry and anxiety, and, and, and who of you, by just worrying, can add a single hour to his life? There's nothing you can do to, 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 to really... Uh, uh, Protect yourself and, and, and change. There, there, there's practical things we do, but it's all in God's hands in the end. And so we're putting this back in God's hands and recognizing God is the source of it all. My third and last point today, um, although we got a few more verses to look at and pull out the same points again, but my third and last point today is um, that Jesus isn't saying to us, let me say this first, Jesus isn't saying to you, um, oh, that, uh, stop worrying, don't be such a jerk, stop worrying. He's saying to you, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. You may have hard things. Everyone's going to die. There will be hard things that come. He's going to talk about trouble in a minute, that everybody will have trouble. But he's saying to you and to me, God will take care of you. He is your father. He's looking after you. He knows what you need. He he understands um, what is going on in your life. He understands what's going on with you. He knows what is required, and he is watching over you, and he's like a good father caring for you, and he's going to help you. Um, He doesn't mean that there might be some hard things that come, but it means that you have to, what Jesus wants to reassure you is that don't doubt his goodness, don't doubt his love, don't doubt his fatherhood, don't doubt his care, 
don't doubt that he is watching over you and he will provide for you and he will look after you. And as you get distracted, it's easy for you. There's no need. Jesus is saying basically there's no need as a Christian. There's no need as, as a disciple of Jesus. There's no need for you to go through life torn up completely torn up by worries and anxieties and fears and, and, and all of that. Of course, everyone's going to have, we're, we're human beings and we're sinners, we're going to have fear and we're going to have anxiety. But he's saying, I, he's saying, keep coming back to me and keep coming back to this truth and it will release you. I will release you again and again from these fears and these anxieties. I Probably many of you have experienced this where you've been all caught up and, and, and terrified and anxious and you just unburdened yourself to the Lord and it wasn't that all the problems went away, but it was that you had that sense of what God's Word teaches and what Jesus teaches us, that the Father is with me, and He cares about me, and He's looking after me. He hasn't forgotten me. He is still with me, and He's caring about me, and He is going to get me through this and take me through to whatever He has for me in the future, um, and then eventually take me into the kingdom of God and eternal life. God will always take care of you. Now, there is a fascinating passage from Hebrews. I don't know if the, the study that's, that where they're studying Hebrews, if you've gotten to Hebrews 13 yet, but there's a fascinating two verses in Hebrews chapter 13 that connect right with this. So let me read that for you right now, and you can see the connection. It, it brings up the very same themes, but taught in a sort of different way by the author of, of Hebrews. He says this, keep your lives free from what? What do you think it's going to be? The love of money. Here it is again. Wow, is it really talked about this much in the Bible? Yes, it is. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And he adds this, which is, helps us to understand that, what's, what's in your heart, and be content with what you have. So there's a, a, a sort of a contentment with what God has given so far and a, 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 a removing from your heart the love of money. And he, then, but then he says, because... And listen to his re- what, what, what he gives them as, as what they need to understand and know. Because God has said. Okay, get rid of the love of money. Free your, free, your, free your lives from love of money and be content with what you have. Because, why should you do that? How can you do that? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's the truth. That's the truth that we have to come back to again and again. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You are my child. I've got you. I know who you are. I know what's happening in your life. I am caring for you. All my wisdom, all my power, all my plan and design for the entire universe, you are locked into it. And I am watching you. And I know you. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God will always, third point, God will always care for you. But he says a little bit more. Author of Hebrews says one other thing. He said, so, because God has said this, so we Christians can say with confidence, and by the way, confidence, trust and confidence is the opposite of worry, right? The opposite of this kind of worry that consumes us and this anxiety that consumes us. The opposite of worry and anxiety is this confidence and trust. He says, okay, so if you've got that word of God down, if you have received the word of God, Sunday school people, if you have received the dogma here, if you have received this truth from God's word that this is what is facts, this is what God has said, and this is what God is going to do, and this is what he has promised, 
So we, the church, can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. This is, this is so simple and so profound. If this can become our heartbeat, that this is, the, this is really what is in our heart, the words of God, never, I know that God has said to me, even me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, and that we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Jesus, the Son of God, is telling his disciples, and that's you and me, includes you and me, it includes his church, all of us in every age, he's telling us, God will always care for you. He will provide for you. He will watch over you. Um, let me read a little bit, uh, a little bit further here, um, uh, and then uh, take us to the end of this, of this section. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, verse 29, and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And there again, there's that idea. The little faith comment there is the idea that it matters what's in your heart. Little faith doesn't mean you don't believe in God. It means that you're, you're struggling to trust God. You're struggling to trust God as you face difficulties and as you face problems in life, as things that come at you that cause you to worry and fill you with anxiety, that the little faith means that you, you still believe there's a God, you still believe that his word is true, but you struggle to trust him. You struggle to be confident in his devotion to you and confident that he is with you and he is your helper and he is caring for you like a father. What is the desire, uh, the desire of your heart? What is going on in your heart? Let me read on. Um, so do not worry. He says it again. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, unbelievers, run after all these things. And he's not saying, oh, pagans work for a living and we don't. That's not what he's saying. He's saying pagans, this is what their hearts are, are stirred up with. They are worried. They are, this is why they babble those long prayers, because they think God is not listening. He doesn't care. He's not with me. I got to get his attention. I got to go, hey. That sounds more like an auctioneer than a pagan. But, um, but anyway, he's got to babble this long prayer with all these magic words. God, somehow I got to get your attention. And remember the, remember the, the, prophets, the, 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 the prophets of Baal who even cut themselves. Maybe God will look if I cut myself open and pour the blood down. Maybe God's looking then. Maybe he'll pay attention. Maybe he'll listen if I say enough. He says, no, God loves you. Just speak to him simply and clearly. God will always take care of you. Um, for the pagans run after all these things. What? Eating, drinking, what to wear. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What does that mean? He knows and doesn't care? Of course, it means he knows and he's your father. He cares. He's not ignorant. He knows about what's going on in your life. He knows what you need and he's going to provide in his wisdom. Maybe not everything that you thought needed to happen, but in his wisdom and in his plan and in his power, he is going to provide for you and, and, and stay with you and care for you. He is watching over you and caring for you. And so how does the matter conclude? Verse 33 is sort of the high point of this whole chapter. He says, and you know it, it's probably familiar to you. But seek 
first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Make your heart the priority of your heart. What is the the central desire of your heart? Make it the kingdom and righteousness. What does that mean? Remember what the kingdom is. It's the kingdom. God is coming. The Lord Jesus is coming back. Your desire is for the, not, the earth, not the things you're piling up now and the treasures you have now. What your heart is set on is the coming kingdom of God when he will return and he will establish uh, salvation and, and, and all that that comes with that when Jesus returns. But also, he also says, and his righteousness. This is just what he had them pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? That we will, righteousness means to do God's will on earth as it is done in heaven, to do God's will, to serve God. Put your heart on, make what's important to you. Make your heart, set your heart on righteousness, what God wants to serve God and his kingdom that is coming. And that's where your reward is. And that's where your real life is. And that's where all the joy is coming from. Set your heart on that. Um, And so what is the desire of your heart? God cares about your heart. I repeat my first point again. God cares about your heart. He wants your heart to be a desire for king, the kingdom and a desire for righteousness. Seek first. Make it first in your heart, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then live out of that heart. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, all these other things, whatever God, whatever God knows you need, whatever God needs to take care of, he's going to take care of, and he's going to help you through that. And then it ends with verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because there's nothing to worry about. Because God is sovereign. Because God is on the throne. And because God loves you and he's watching over you. And he is your helper. And you can have absolute confidence in him that he will be good to you and stay with you until the end. It doesn't mean there won't be trouble. And that's what we see in this this last verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus recognizes here at the end of this section, oh, there's trouble. He's already been telling them all through the Sermon on the Mount, oh, you'll have trouble. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be problems. You'll have trouble. But the difference will be that you will know that God is with you and you will know that you have absolute confidence in his, um, his promises to you and his provision for you and he's watching over you. So once again, um, to remind you, I gotta stop, I gotta stop here. This'll be my last my last thing is um, my second point was God will change your heart, and it applies to this too. You can't, none of you here today can ha- find worry and anxiety in your heart and fix that. You can't fix the worry in your heart and the anxiety in your heart. You can only get that worry and anxiety fixed by God, by his word and by the work of his spirit. And so you've got to ask him, Lord, to, and take this seriously. If you see worry and anxiety in your heart, um, uh, take that to the Lord. Don't, I, I'm not, this, isn't, this isn't Jesus rebuking us. This is Jesus blessing us, encouraging us. He's trying to strengthen us. I one time years ago preached on this text, and I used it to, like, spank the congregation. Like, I was just like, <laughs> and this gracious man came up to me afterwards and said, son, he was about 20 years older than me in the faith. You missed the point of Jesus. You missed the point of Jesus' passage here. And I was like, whatever. Who are you? I went to seminary. <laughs> but he was exactly right. Because the point of this passage is not the passage is God 
has you. He is taking care of you. The worry is not needed. He's not saying, you terrible people, you worry. He's saying, let the Lord heal that worry in your heart. Let the Lord heal that anxiety in your heart. Ask him to take what all that darkness is and all that frustration and all that worry and all that intent. Ask him to heal it by just feeding you the word. You just need the word. You need the truth that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that the Lord is your helper and he's going to take care of you. You need this truth and you need the Holy Spirit and to put it in you. And so keep reading the word and keep asking the Lord. Remember, all it needs is a simple prayer. Lord, please heal my heart. Take away my worry. I can't get it out of there. I am so worried, Lord. I am so anxious, Lord. Take it out of there. Take the worry and anxiety. Lessen that worry and anxiety. Help me. And if he lessens it today, you may need to be praying that all, all the, tomorrow again, right? You may need to be, in my case, sometimes I have a good morning and then I'm praying it in the afternoon, right? That's the way it is. That's because that, that's we're humans and that's because we're sinners. But God is gracious, and he's going to help you every step of the way, and he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you because he's your father. And like what we read this morning from Isaiah, God's like the woman with the baby at her breast. He does not throw away that baby. He does not throw away that baby. He cares for that baby and whatever that baby needs, and that's God's attitude towards you, like a mother with a baby at her breast. Let's pray.